Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 106 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my co-host and good brother, Liam. Liam, we have a special giant-sized, extra-large double feature today. Yes, sir. We have two episodes of Batman Beyond to talk about this week. One that's uh, pretty darn good, and one that is that we also watch. <laughs> uh, those episodes being uh, Revenant and Babel, or Babel, if you uh, want to be fancy about it. There we go. Um, yes, yeah, so truth be told, if you guys listened to our episode last week, uh, we only mentioned that we would be covering Revenant, and we sort of called a audible after we had watched Revenant and said, uh, hey, let's do the same thing we did to the last time we had to review a Willie Watt episode, and let's double <laughs> up. And uh, we did, and I think, honestly, that was the, the better decision here because we would have spent a lot of time either crapping on the first episode or just not really having a whole lot to discuss. But, uh, Liam, I, I guess before we before we get into discussing our first episode, we are going to review Revenant first. We can jump into the categories that we'll review in just a second, but I assume that you have an IMDb synopsis to uh, kind of give us a, uh, a hint of what we'll be discussing with this episode today. <laughs> and it is just barely a hint this week. <laughs> so this is the synopsis for Revenant, which was written by Hilary J. Bader, directed by Kyung Won Lim, with music by Lolita Ritmanis. And that synopsis reads as such. Terry McGinnis's high school seems to be haunted by a poltergeist. That it does. Um, I, I could I, barely do the voice for that one. It was so <laughs> Couldn't get into a flow there. All right. Well, uh, I will. Let's jump into plot and talk here, Liam. I will say that before uh, we start talking about, I guess, what we didn't like or what we maybe just didn't didn't care about or care for for this episode i will say that this episode does have a interesting first i would say quarter of the episode maybe maybe first half of the episode is interesting at least there's a lot of mystery going on there's this uh this rumor going around terry's high school that there is a ghost that has been haunting hamilton hill high and vandalizing things and doing various i don't know very uh, harmless vandalism, I guess. And suddenly a bunch of girls decide that they're going to be infatuated and be, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, they seem to be, get very, uh, horned up for this ghost. <laughs> so for lack of a better term. So they decide they're going to contact him using a Ouija board and, Nelson Nash also happens to be present as they're trying to do this. Nelson gets attacked by what they think is the ghost. Uh, 
Terry brings it to Bruce's attention and Bruce is very skeptical. My, I think my favorite line of this, which may have been a subtle jab at the network's requirements for this to be <laughs> a, a teen drama all of a sudden, was when he says, it's also high school. <laughs> Naturally, you don't believe in those kind of things. Of course I do. I've seen it all. Demons, witch boys, immortals, zombies. But this thing, I don't know, it just feels so, so high school. Which I think yeah, is a perfect, was... perfect description for this episode. What, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, that, that about covers it. Um, I do really like that scene between Terry and Bruce because it is, you know, Bruce sort of lays, lays down some knowledge. Of course, he has in his Batman career, even though this show, I mean, in real world time took place before Justice League, he's... He's already in this point just in the Batman, the animated series and new Batman adventures fought, you know, zombies and demons and witch boys. So he's he's certainly not uh, claiming that magic isn't real, but he he just notes that everything that Terry is telling him about the case makes it feel it just doesn't sit right with him. The, the detective in him isn't isn't convinced that this is a. Uh, a call for magic. So, and of course he turns out to be right. So. Yeah. What do you know about that? (laughs) Yeah. So as as the episode progresses, we find out that uh, Terry actually does do some detective work to figure out what's going on. Uh, He finds out that uh, a couple of the targets just so coincidentally happen to have links back to one Willie Watt, which if you recall, we reviewed that episode back in the archives. I believe it was episode 27 or 28 in the archives at DCAUreview.com. Again, that was a double feature also because we did not like that episode very much at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so they all have a they all have a link to that 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 episode. And Terry puts two and two together and figures out that maybe the accident at the dock caused Willie Watt to possibly have some sort of, uh, you know, reaction and, and gain some sort of superpowers. It's it's a very uh marvel <laughs> uh, it's a it's a very peter parker uh story um now at the same time i w- before we get to the climax sort of the episode there is also this sort of mid episode scene where matt mcginnis decides that he wants to try and contact the ghost of T- terry and his father um and there's this sort mm. of I don't know, sadness and some, some mourning. He, he mentions that he, you know, he's forgetting what his dad was like. And, you know, Terry's mom says that, you know, they're not going to contact him. That's not real. And there's some sadness that happens there. So there's that interesting uh, sort of side story that I don't think gets fleshed out too well. What did you think? No, it's basically just that scene. And then at the end, the very end of the episode is, uh, Terry and Matt sort of looking at old photos and reminiscing about their dad a little bit. But yeah, that's like a, obviously that's a really <laughs> a real life thing, you know, that, that kids who have a parent die at an early age go through. And, and it's almost that, and that is an interesting wrinkle to this. And you kind of, or at least I kind of was wishing that was the main story and <laughs> the Willie Watt stuff could have been the background stuff. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, yeah, that's not uh, particularly uh, drawn upon, and they sort of resolve it at the end of 
you know, they, they re- recall the story of going on a trip with their dad, and Terry goes, see, you do remember him, and that's kind of the end, so... <laughs> It's not. Uh, it's not like. It's not the deepest uh, story. At least not as deep as it could be. Sure. And then we we have, of course, Willie ends up getting found out. Terry, of course, goes to confront him at juvie. Willie's we find out. Willie's now, by the way. Oh yeah, the dude is just jacked. Uh, he's no longer skinny Willie Watt, as Terry refers to but him. Lift he's weights in juvie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The dude loves loves pumping iron. Um. Yeah. So he. He goes to Juvie, figures out that he has these powers. Willie escapes. And then for some reason, Willie goes back to attack Nelson Nash again, despite the fact that Terry is the one that that sort of outed him and sort of foiled this plan that he had where he was going to use his powers from Juvie and then be released in two months and sort of live a normal life with all these powers. Um, yeah, he attacks Nelson Nash and then uh, is bested by a tree. Yes, this is uh, now two weeks in a row where Batman doesn't really do anything to stop the bad guys. Yep. Um, although last week, at least, he had help from, like, another character. This week, it was just sort of Willie, uh, like, unleashes his full powers and, like, creates a tornado. And uh, in the debris that is flying around, there happens to be a tree. And, yeah, it just hits him right in the head, and he's unconscious. Man, what is what is the luck? Batman's got some great luck there. I mean, <laughs> they even set up this weird like Bruce creates this sort of I don't know injection weapon that he's supposed to stab Willie with. A sedative, and, I guess. Yeah, and and like there's some tension that's built up because Willie destroys it, and then you're like, well, well now how's Terry gonna do this? Because this was the only way. And uh, well, he just needed a stroke of luck where a flying tree uh, got the best of him. And uh, and all would be okay. <laughs> yeah. So for like, like we've been kind of laying out here, this has had some interesting elements, but it's just really the execution and that and that final act, I think, kind of let it down. So uh, I actually I gave plot for this episode a four out of ten. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I went a little bit higher than that. I thought this definitely was. I mean, I felt like the tension in the first part of the episode was really good. The what's going on? Who's the ghost? Why are they doing this? Even if it is teen angst drama, um, I thought it was it was decent, and it's certainly a a, a step up from the first Willy Watt episode. Although that's not saying much. With that, I gave it a a six out of ten. So just a tick higher. All right, let's move on. Liam, let's talk about visuals and animation. Um, the, I know there are a couple visual spots that you want to talk about in this episode, uh, but really the only thing that I of note uh, that I had was in the the attack scene, the gym sequence where the ghost slash Willie is is making his first attack on Nelson Nash. He's sort of using the the items in this gym to try and crush Nelson. And there's a, there's a cool pan shot that happens where Batman lands on his feet and sort of a, I guess a Spider-Man esque type landing. And there's a, there's a pan that goes, it's a 180 degree pan that goes from the front of them around to the side of them. It's not a full 360, but it was a, it's a neat trick that they did with the animation. Of course, we talked a lot, about the animation and and how difficult before the digital age that was to do this sort of 3d stuff and i appreciated that other than that uh for a guy that has interesting telekinetic powers there's not a lot of interesting visuals at least that i that i noted 
Well, yeah, especially I think coming off of, of last week's episode, Mind Games, which had some some really striking visuals, especially in the the scene where uh, Terry fights the albino um, who has similar powers to Willie. Um, there's really nothing even remotely <laughs> as visually interesting as that scene in this week's episode. But um, yeah, the, that that scene where it's still where they still think it's the ghost and there's just chairs being thrown around and stuff. I mean, that's again when when the mystery is on that that's kind of interesting and has a certain like horror movie feel to it. Um, and the the one the one really cool thing that I did notice though is during that uh, during that scene when Batman sort of first gets gets there he he saves Dana first and then for once he for once Terry put Dana first and something because <laughs> he was Batman he wasn't Terry <laughs> <laughs> he only does it when he's under the mask but uh, <laughs> but uh, as he goes to save Nelson who's sort of being surrounded by these floating chairs he. For whatever reason, in that shot, instead of flying like he usually does, is swinging, and he sort of grabs Nelson by uh, by like the back of his shirt, and there's just a shot of him swinging with Nelson like that. That happens to uh, pretty pretty re- uh, faithfully recreate the uh, first appearance of Spider-Man on uh, Amazing Fantasy number 15. Well, there you go. Uh, that's the second Spider-Man visual homage that uh, we have seen. Uh, I believe there was one back in the Terrific Trio episode, also. Yes, they. Uh, yeah, there's. Yeah, and, and I think, as you mentioned, sort of the way he lands, the way when he's like sitting on walls and stuff. I think a lot of that there's sort of like mund- more mundane Spider-Man homages than a lot of the way uh, he moves when he's in the bat suit, but. Yeah, it's always cool when you when you get to see the sort of more overt ones like this one. For sure. Yeah, that that was a nice pickup that I did not see that you pulled out. I thought that that was uh that was a nice nice uh, visual nod there that you were able to pick up on. Yeah, other than that, like I said, I I I didn't I was a little disappointed, especially when you have a character who's able to do things supposedly the way that that uh, Willie has. I think the only other thing that I I noticed was the sort of cerebro esque helmet at the end. Um, yeah. but that could have just been any sort of like helmet that, ter- <laughs> that, uh, Willie, Willie was being, had, had placed on his head in order to suppress his powers. But, um, we didn't mention it. I don't think in, when we were talking about plot, but, uh, this is the final time that Willie makes an appearance in this cartoon, thankfully. So, uh, uh <laughs> you know, the, the end of this story is sort of ends on a tragic note in that, we're reminded that Willie still has no visitors and nobody cares about him in juvenile detention. Um, but uh, back to the visuals, I guess. Yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot of interesting stuff, and I, I feel like there was a sort of a swing and a miss that they could have had with this. Uh, for that reason, I just gave it a middle-of-the-road 5 out of 10. What about you? Yep, exact same score for me as well, 5 out of 10. All right, Liam. So let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. And uh, this is another one that I didn't have any notes for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Background music was there. I did notice there was sort of a lack of music in the very first scene that sort of, I guess, I I guess they were going for like an eerie type of introduction usually there's at least some sort of mood setting music there wasn't nothing there wasn't very much there there was some mood setting music during the the seance scene uh but nothing of sort of relevancy or that was memorable so i just kind of went with a five out of ten for music what about you yeah i went uh i went right on that same point six out of ten um 
I, I liked the music in the in the final fight between when between Batman and Willie. I think that was probably the best part of that scene. And it's not it's nothing super uh, revolutionary, but it's it's good. Uh, you know, it's good up tempo fight music, and I and I liked that. So just for that, I gave it a, a tick higher. But yeah, nothing uh, nothing spectacular. All right, let's move on to our final category, Liam, which is going to be our voice cast. Let's uh, let's talk about who uh, who do we have of note this week for voice cast for Revenant? Yeah, so we have a few returning guest stars to fill out Terry's high school cast. There, we have Melissa Disney as Blade. We have uh, Yvette Lowenthal as Chelsea. We of course have Cree Summer as Max and Lauren Thomas Dana, and we also have Seth Green returning as Nelson Nash. And, of course, we have Scott McAfee returning as Willie Watt. Uh, he's fine. I don't blame <laughs> him. I just don't find the character interesting. And I didn't need to see him brought back. So, yeah. he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. He does He does a fine job. Everybody does a fine job. I didn't think anything stood out. There wasn't anything that necessarily... Again, there wasn't anything that I, I thought deserved taking points away, but I didn't think there was anything that a, a performance that stood out. I think honestly, Kevin Conroy, the scene that we mentioned between him and Terry is probably mm-hmm. the best performance of the day, which yeah. is sort of a rarity in this series. I feel because he's usually not heavily relied upon, uh, except yeah. for a, an episode here or there. Um, but we always talk about, we know that he's great. So that's not really, that's not really worth giving it a, a, a strong score for um, with that middle of the road, six out of 10. Yeah, I went five out of 10. So same again, same, uh, same ballpark there. Nothing, uh, nothing wrong with anybody's performance, but uh, in an episode like this, that is kind of lacking a bit in, in a few other departments it it maybe could have benefited from again, maybe a bit of a more over-the-top villain, and we just didn't have that this week. So, yeah, nothing wrong with it, but nothing uh, nothing to write home about either. All right, so I, I'll, we'll tally everything up here. Uh, with that being our final score, I tally up everything and get a score of 22 out of 40. What about you? Yeah, I'm not uh, too far behind you there. I have an even 20 out of 40. So uh, I guess the bright side is, before we talk about rewatchability, is these are scores are both higher than we gave the original Willy Watt episode, Golem, <laughs> uh, which, you, again, you can hear back in the archives at DCAUreview.com or streaming on your favorite podcast app. But it's still not that much better. I think we gave, I think it was either 17 and 18 or 18 and 19 out of 40 for those episodes. So just barely a tick higher <laughs> in this episode. So as we talk about rewatchability, my thought is the only reason you wouldn't need or want to watch this is if you sat through the first episode and decided that you wanted, you had some sick, like masochistic <laughs> tendency to figure out what happened to the also boring Willie Watt character. Yeah. I mean, if that's your goal is to see like every recurring villain, <laughs> you know, every episode that a recurring character is in, then yeah, I guess this qualifies for that. But uh, otherwise I think this, you can, you can kind of skip this one. There you go. All right, Liam, uh, that will bring us to our second episode of the day. We did mention this is a special double feature. And of course the next episode that you mentioned is going to be Babel. 
that episode, I don't know if I mentioned, but the uh, the first episode that we discussed, Revenant, that debuted on December 4th, 1999. Uh, the second episode, Babel, debuted on January 8th, 2000. Uh, so there was some time in between these two episodes. I guess there was a winter break where they, they broke up the season here. But uh, before the uh, before the sort of like January premiere date after the holidays. But so uh, this episode, Babel, as you mentioned, uh, is is a uh, it's another reoccurring villain. So we have the return of Shriek. Uh, that episode, if you recall, again, you can hear that back in the archives at dcaureview.com also was featured on a double feature the terrific trio episode that we covered uh we actually both really liked the first shriek episode a lot um and uh i i found myself enjoying this episode as much if maybe not more than that first episode so i'm I'm excited to jump in here let's talk about it but before we do i know you have that imdb synopsis uh for us Indeed I do, and this is for the episode Babel, written by Stan Berkowitz, directed by Kurt Gaeta, with music by Christopher Carter. And that synopsis reads as such. In order to have his revenge, Shriek makes the speech of the population of Gotham City incomprehensible and demands Batman surrender himself in order to stop the chaos. Well done, IMDb. Um, Now that's a synopsis. Hey, there you go. You got the full full ability to use your announcer voice on that one. I love it. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much sums it up there. Uh, we find out that Shriek or Shreve, as, as his uh, actual name is, has been released from his mental hospital. And uh, he blames Batman for his loss of hearing and he wants revenge. So we have what works out to be pretty much a straightforward revenge plot here. And but it's done in a way that is very, very interesting. It actually reminded me of a lot of people's favorite Batman movie of all time, uh, that being The Dark Knight, as far as some of the plot points are concerned, where, you know, you have this the 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 citizens of Gotham sort of turn on Batman and Batman sort of has to make this decision whether or not he's going to sacrifice himself uh, for these people that may or may not be appreciative of who he is. Latanya Choi has been sampling public opinion at the Galleria. Sure, Shriek's crazy, but there's two sides to every story. You don't go around provoking a madman, and that's what Batman did. That's who you're thinking of sacrificing yourself for? Shriek just wants a little justice. And is he going to give himself up? Is he going to turn himself over? Is he going to sacrifice? himself for people that don't even give a crap about who he is and, and why he is and uh, you know I it's it's I it's a great story that movie obviously is legendary and I think that the way that they use some of this by the way this movie, this movie came out several years before the Dark Knight just so we're we're uh, yes. keeping things <laughs> keeping things straight here but I, I think that they do a really good job of that here especially with the it, it really does a great job of showcasing Terry as Batman yeah, I think that's uh, that's a great way to to sum it up. Um, it it is interesting because we, again we sort of start with a little bit of a mystery. Uh, uh, Bat, Bruce and Terry are sort of talking in the Batcave about some old some old adventure Bruce had, and you know Bruce talking about some ha- sometimes you have to be willing to you know take risks even if you don't know that you're going to come back from it, and that sort of is the the 
the main theme throughout the rest of the episode is is Terry ultimately has to go has to has the weight of the world on his shoulders as he's sort of forced to make a decision as to whether or not he's going to turn himself over to Shriek, as you mentioned. And, you know, from there, all these animals, including Ace, start uh, start freaking out. And, and we sort of very quickly figure out that somebody's messing with sound waves. We get some fun action sequences of, uh, you know, it, believe it or not, it's not the first time that a Batman has had to fight a gorilla. But... Uh, <laughs> And possibly not the last, for all we know. But uh, there we go. But yeah, so I think that's interesting. And then yeah, once we get into the shriek side of it, and he, he in a very sort of traditional supervillain uh, way, phones up the commissioner and demands Batman uh, turn himself in so that uh, so that he can destroy him. And and yeah, as you mentioned, we we have interviews. We see news newscasts with interviews of sort of the man on the street who are uh you know telling telling them hey you know it's it's not our why should we all have to suffer because of this personal animosity between shriek and batman and all this stuff and and you sort of have max and 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 bruce sort of both in their own way kind of trying to discourage terry from from going through with it and terry sort of goes on some soul searching you see him he has a sort of a flashback to the night his father died sort of as you as you mentioned, sort of just reminding him himself and the viewers at home exactly why he he took up this mantle of Batman in the first place, and uh, from there he sort of comes to his decision and sort of as he's about to seemingly go through with it, he's able to figure out that Shriek must be using this one building in Gotham City as a giant tuning fork. So in the end, he doesn't <laughs> naturally. Uh, naturally. Again, this is this is a this is kind of brilliant in a lot of ways because it combines so many wacky, over the top comic booky moments with like a really simple, easy to digest but still very poignant story of like what it means to be a hero and the importance of that Batman mantle to to this not just you know, it's not just important to Bruce, but how important it's become to Terry. It's it's really a masterful job of still having a lot of cool comic book fun while still being able to tell kind of a very deep and interesting story. Oh, I, I totally and 100 percent agree with you. I think that this is, um, you know, as I as I said, it's a great showcase for for Terry because, you know, we, we've seen glimpses of it, of his detective abilities and his his willingness to do the right thing, even if Bruce doesn't always agree that the right thing is the right thing or he, you know, he disagrees with him over that. Um, but the the selfless nature of Batman is inherent, as you can see, because there's a, you know, there's a conversation when once Shriek has called up the commissioner and demanded that Batman turn himself over, uh, Barbara calls Bruce and lets him, lets him know what Shriek is demanding. And Bruce, the truce is only temporary. Why am I not surprised? We're mobilizing, but even if we're lucky, hundreds will die, maybe thousands. We're trying to find his transmitter. And once we do... He wants Batman. That's his price. If he wants Batman, he can have me. You're not him. At least you're not the one he wants. What are you saying, Barbara? That I should just hand Terry over to Shriek? No, give him to me. I'll figure out something. I had some pretty good teachers, remember? I remember. But you work for a mayor who'd sell out the kid at the drop of a hat. Look, if you've got a better plan... All I know right now is this. 
That kid's done a lot for this city. It's time for the city to do something for him. We're trying, Bruce, but we've only got till midnight. What then? We've got to figure out where it's coming from. Bruce immediately goes, well, if he wants Batman, he can have me. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, of course, provides a little bit of a chuckle because Bruce has not been Batman for many, many years. <laughs> of course, still still thinks of himself as Batman, as we learned in the last Shriek episode. But, you know, the the selfless nature of Batman, the willing to sacrifice himself. How many Batman and Justice League episodes have we watched where Batman has selflessly tried to sacrifice himself? And they, you know, even to the point where, where Superman makes a joke about him having a death wish, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's the inherent nature of the bat character and that bat mantle, as you said. And it's, it was great to see Terry, take that up and then the conversation that he and bruce have at the very very end which i'm sure we'll probably talk about in voice acting but there's a conversation they have at the end where bruce is sort of prying and trying to figure out well you know if you hadn't figured out how where shriek was would you have gone through with this and terry sort of acts aloof and and you know doesn't want to answer bruce's question so he just yeah uh Let's work on the suit. He doesn't even give him a straight answer. And it's it's like, man, if that isn't the passing, like the full passing of the torch moment yeah. where, you know, he's he truly is Batman at this point. Like, just really, really good. Yeah. And that's I think that's uh, that's a, a great point. There is that that moment at the end is as 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 they're as they're again working on the suit that has again been damaged Um and and Terry has kind of fully embraced that role of Batman and and uh, yeah it, it's just it's really really well done and again some of these broader points we've gone over I'm sure we'll go over in more detail in some of our other categories but um, yeah for for all the reasons we've talked about I actually went ahead and gave plot a perfect ten out of ten wow there we go um, yeah a couple of the things uh, just in case we don't get to talk about them that I that I really appreciated there was a there was a uh, mention of Mad Stan who of yes. course we were first introduced uh, we were first introduced to just a couple episodes ago but of course apparently uh, as we learned in that episode has been one of Terry's recurring villains so he gets a mention in this episode as the the reason why the damage was caused to the suit in the first place of course Bruce mentioning a a scenario where he uh, went in not knowing what the outcome would be and that he might be sacrificing his own life, but Robin came to save him. Of course, uh, an allusion to to who knows it could be allusion to one of the Batman animated series episodes uh, that we've that we've already watched. Could have been uh, Day of the Samurai or Night of the or Night of the Ninja rather, or yes. you know, it, 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 or it could just be some off-screen adventure that we, we never did see. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, a, a callback to Robin saving him I thought was was awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think the, the trip is, as Terry is sort of trying to weigh this self-sacrifice uh, as he's sort of contemplating the the weight that would come with, with that as he you know, flashes back to that scene. And they, they play the, the scene from from rebirth straight through to where he he finds out his dad has been murdered. I thought that that was even though that was just reused animation, I thought that that was a very, very poignant and uh, really, really, really strong visual there. So uh, I, I gave plot a very strong nine out of ten. There you go. Yeah, the, for all, for all, everything that we've talked about, it's it's just again it it, it hits uh, hits all the right Batman notes, which is as we said, obviously this season has been 
you know, kind of a mishmash of, uh, of this new kind of high school motif that they've added on a little bit extra of that sort of Peter Parker-y teenage uh, melodrama thrown in. And again, that's not always bad, but uh, every once in a while, it's nice to get a, you know, a true Batman story with, with both, both for Bruce and for Terry. Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right, Liam, uh, throwing a curveball. You mentioned Batman notes, so let's uh, let's move on and talk about music uh, second here. Yeah, usually we go to visuals next, but I wanted to talk about music just because I thought that there were some really great musical notes in this episode. Um, I actually had to rewind the scene where Bruce uh, is contacted by Commissioner Barbara Gordon because as Bruce announces that he's willing to sacrifice himself. Uh, the Batman, traditional Batman Shirley Walker theme, I didn't know if you caught it, but was played in the background with some very subtle strings. Oh, very um, nice. Yeah, it, it, it's really poignant. And then even as as Barbara explains to Bruce, of course, that that's not who Shriek is looking for, that she he, he wants Terry, uh, that sort of melds into the the Beyond theme. And it's, it's really, really beautifully done. Um, I thought that the music and uh, in that final battle also is uh, is really, really strong. I think uh, – and sometimes we struggle, like, where to put this stuff, but it kind of falls into music and sound design, I think, also goes into that. But the mm-hmm. the the jar- garbled uh, uh, language between characters, <laughs> I thought, was, was sort of – it was done really well. Like, yeah. to be able to go back and forth between that, and sometimes the, the, the viewer understands the person, sometimes they're hearing it from the – from the point of view of the person that's, you know, that's listening, it's, it was a tough balancing act. And at first you're like, what is this? And then when they go through the explanation, they didn't, they didn't start out with Shriek going, all right, I'm going to turn on this machine. It's going to garble everybody's <laughs> voices. Like, you know, like you would in a traditional Super Friends cartoon. It just sort of happens in the middle of the episode. I do have been Shriek, but why? And how? And that suit of his was pretty powerful, but I don't see how it could have affected that much of the city. Maybe he found some way to Pradish Dash Pergrana. What? You're not making Arisno. Cordy Tiatoxin? Terry, what's happening to you? Grand Oki Waggle. Laksna. Nolam Tau. Tau Base. You're kind of like, what? It remind and that reminded me of the the first Shriek episode where he sort of has that ability to turn off the sound completely, and there's no no sound for that one entire scene uh, where yeah. Batman and him are fighting. So I really appreciated that. I threw that in in the music just because sound design I thought was uh was one that we would give give a nod to. But what did you think of music? Yeah, I thought it was excellent in this episode. Uh, actually, the Music in the in the scene where he's trying to contain the zoo animals right near the start of the episode is is actually very reminiscent of the the credits theme. Oh yes, uh, of Batman Beyond. It's just that really kind of quick, fast-paced drums and uh, you know uh, fast fast-moving electric guitar. Uh, it reminded me a lot of that theme. It gives it a good a good really up tempo because uh, Terry Terry really is getting his. <laughs> Really getting worn out by those animals, and that scene he really takes a beating between the the elephants and the gorillas. He's uh, uh, that's that's a good reminder that he's not a, you know, he isn't Superman. That he is he's he gets uh, you know kind of gets his gets himself uh, beat up quite a bit in that scene. And I thought the the music really added a frantic pace to that that uh, 
helped uh, convey that sense of danger. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, the, that first scene in the cave. And that's one thing I don't know that we've really talked about it a lot. But there is very rarely music in the scenes in the Batcave. And I think that goes back to the original Batman the Animated Series as well. Yep. Um, just that was a that was a stylistic choice they made for the series that carried over into Batman Beyond. And so when you bring music into scenes in the Batcave, because it's such a rarity, I really think that that gives them an extra punch. For and, sure. Uh, both both the scene with Barbara that you spoke about and and the second scene a little bit later is after Terry's gone off to kind of get some advice from Max. We see Bruce watching these news reports of people telling telling uh, telling the news that Batman should turn himself in. And Bruce is kind of grumbling to himself about uh, about uh, these ungrateful these ungrateful people. And then. We see Ace kind of perk up, and then we see Terry standing in the doorway at the top of the stairs in the bat suit. And again, that sort of a, a little bit of the Batman Beyond theme kind of comes through there. And, and uh, again, just those little extra flourishes to it. And again, especially I think because we don't get to hear music in the cave very often, really added an extra little uh, a little punch to a lot of those scenes. And then, uh, yeah, I would agree that the music towards the end of the episode is also uh, pretty dramatic as the as the whole tower's coming down. Yeah, I, I think that the the music in that scene, um, as they play the, the flashback to Rebirth, was really, really strong. I think that, um, you know, that scene is so important because Terry is having this Dad? revelation that the re- as he's sort of struggling with this, do I, do I surrender and, you know, put the entire city of Gotham, all these people that don't, don't give a crap about me uh, first, or do I care about myself and my family? Because, you know, there's, they just left a scene where Max was telling him about his mom and his brother and what they would have to go through, you know, if he handed himself over and, and, and something happened to him. But, you know, he has this strong realization where he realizes why he put the suit on to begin with, you know, that it's about seeking justice for those that, um, those that have been, you know, re- really just in the name of justice and vengeance uh, for his on behalf yeah. of his dad, and that that means more to him than his own life, um, and that the lives of those, the innocent that are going to be affected by this or that could be killed because of this, uh, his life means nothing compared to that. So the music in that I thought was really, really strong. All that, all these musical notes, really, really great musical episode. Uh, I gave it a perfect 10 out of 10. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm right behind you there. I gave it a, a nine out of ten. It's it's really really strong, and it's um, yeah. As we as we talked about a lot of a lot of times, the beyond musical tracks can sort of bleed into the background. Part of that is because we don't have the ability to just listen to the music like we do with some of the other series. So, uh, it, but this this episode is really just kind of chock full of uh, of great standout musical uh, performances. And I should mention again just since we're praising it so much, the music in this episode was by Christopher Carter. 
There you go. Yeah, he he did a wonderful job on this episode. So kudos to him. Uh, hey, WB, for the third or fourth week in a row, please get this music out on, on CD or streaming please. or something so that we can fully appreciate it uh, without voiceovers over top of it. But yeah. All right, Liam. Uh, so now let us move into visuals and animations uh, or animation. Um, have a lot of good stuff to talk about this episode. Would you like about the visuals here? Yeah, I think there were some uh, pretty strong moments. And uh, again, I think we talked about this in the first Shrink episode, but uh, just, I love the way his powers when he's using the suit are visualized. It's not a, you don't have to sort of put up a big blue laser beam or something because it's sound. So it really shouldn't have a, a big visual component. So we kind of just see the the dust and, and dirt sort of kicking up as he sh- sends these shock waves of sound at Batman. I think, uh, uh, once again, I think the stand, a lot of the standout stuff is, is just the sort of the visualization of shriek and of his powers. Yeah. There's, there's some great stuff there, which is funny to, to say they're to visuals for a guy whose whole gimmick is sound, uh, sound manipulation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, visually he is a great looking character. Also another one of those guys that you, just sit here and think, like, how has no company ever made an action figure of this guy? Um, just visually yes. a very, very interesting thing. Hey, DC Collectibles, why don't you get on that? Or DC Direct, why don't you get on that? <laughs> um, yeah, may, maybe for the 25th anniversary, since you missed the 20th anniversary. Um, yeah, there's some great visuals. There's actually a scene where Terry, uh, as Batman, has to save these two construction workers. There's a guy who's flying some sort of helicopter that has a container attached to the bottom of it. The container uh, helicopter crashes because of some miscommunication due to the Babel machine being on. Uh, as it's falling, Terry has to fly down and sort of catch it with the Batmobile. Uh, he sort of does that to an extent it lands in the the lower part of gotham and as he's flying back up the the rest of the the machine starts falling off the side so he shoots these missiles at it to explode it which i don't know physically uh if that's if that's <laughs> that was the best decision to do how much damage was caused because of that but you see the batmobile fly through the explosion and terry has to catch this guy as he's falling. Also, uh, just a really visually interesting scene there. I thought, of course, the rebirth flashback worked really well. Terry sort of weighing his the, the weight of of uh, his decision. Uh, and again, the the battle scene at the the very very end between the actual fight scene between the two of them, as Shriek turns on this machine that has Terry sort of overwhelmed by sound, um, they sort of flip places from the last time that we saw them where where Shriek went deaf, but uh, you know Terry's almost incapacitated completely and and has to figure out how he's gonna outsmart him, and then the the building sort of comes down and. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot of cool visuals in that that last scene too. Um, anything stand out for you? Uh, yeah, other than what we mentioned, yeah, that's the, just that final scene of the the building kind of coming down and and uh, Shriek sort of being enveloped in the in the in the building because he doesn't have his he can't hear the uh, the building crumbling around him. I thought that was uh, that that led to some pretty interesting visuals. And then yeah, we mentioned it I think in uh, in a couple of the earlier character. Uh, categories but i really enjoyed that scene with him uh with batman having to fight the gorilla and the elephants i just thought that was really uh 
really clever. <laughs> and uh, like I said, it was just, man, he's just getting just beat on in that scene. And uh, yes. I thought that, uh, yeah, that's this is a real uh, physical and mentally. This is uh, one of the, the toughest tests for Batman to date. Yeah, and honestly, I think that even in the very, very next to last scene, after the building has come down on Batman, they sort of show you the the recovery effort that's going on. There are these these uh, yeah. I guess they're firefighters, or I'm not sure. They're sort of searching the scene. There's like a sort of a gray film or haze over the screen that sort of there's dust and and stuff everywhere. Yeah. It's created this sort of haze. It's they're searching for for any survivors in the building and uh, Batman sort of busts out, you know, after the the recovery team has found a piece of Shriek's Shriek's costume. I, I thought that was really, really done really well. You can kind of see the moonlight in the background and the searchlights from the vehicles that they're using. Uh, I thought that visually was very, very interesting, very strong, found uh, no faults in this episode. So I had to give it a perfect 10 out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I give it uh, I give it a, a very strong eight out of 10. I think it's, a very good episode uh, from a visual standpoint. And uh, yeah, I think we mentioned that before. We don't get to see the, the bat, everything that the, this Batmobile can do. And, uh, you know, there's some really memorable moments in the original Batman series with uh, some of the different gadgets and stuff that the Batmobile has. So to see kind of an entire uh, action sequence built, built around the Batmobile, I think was a really cool idea. Plus, we know it has texting capabilities based on the fact that Bruce and Bruce and Terry can text back and forth between it. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. it's, got, uh, it's got a cool little email, uh, a big, big, giant keyboard. Type one. <laughs> Love it. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day. That is going to be voice acting uh, we don't have a giant cast this week but we have a few notable memorable dcau vets uh, who do we need to know from our voice cast this week yeah we have uh we have soccer channing returning as commissioner gordon um again she kind of has a minor role to play in this one but I, I i like we've talked about the scene with when she is talking to uh to bruce in the back cave i think is is quite good and then we have <laughs> a man you may have heard of, Michael Rosenbaum, playing uh, Shreve's <laughs> little uh, splicer assistant, Ollie. There you go. And uh, yeah, just uh, like we always say, because he pops up on this show all the time. Um, it's distracting because he's not playing The Flash, but he's <laughs> fine <laughs> Yeah. otherwise. And then, yeah, we have the returning uh, Chris Mulkey as Shriek and... Uh, again, there's not a lot asked of him in this episode, but I do like when he makes the the ransom demand to uh, to Commissioner Gordon, and she she sort of goes, "Oh, you're crazy," and he just goes, "Duh," <laughs> and hangs up on her. I thought that was very funny, and uh, I, I, again, I, I love this idea that among all of these sort of reoccurring villains that we've seen, some of these great bad guys uh, in this budding rogues gallery for Batman Beyond that that sh- the the rivalry between Shriek and Terry is is much more personal at least on Shriek's end than most of the other ones other than maybe like a blight right um, where he just has this direct personal reason to hate Batman beyond just he foiled my plans you know <laughs> right he sort of he sort of has the 
I don't know, the old school Two-Face motivation of you disfigured me, so I'm going to get revenge, where he blames Batman for that. Uh, So, you know, he blames Batman for him losing his hearing, and now he just wants to kill him. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I, I think the standout vocal performances are our, our two main actors of uh, Will Friedle and Kevin Conroy as uh, as Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, for all the reasons we've talked about, uh, the the two scenes in the in the bat, really every scene in the Batcave throughout the episode. But and then what did you do? Well, I. What does it matter? It was a long time ago, a very long time. Don't want to talk about it, huh? In case you haven't noticed, we've still got a lot of this shrapnel to deal with. You'd think that someone in a suit like this would be able to dodge a simple hand grenade. I did dodge a hand grenade. Problem was, Mad Stan had two. Now, come on, finish your story. How'd you know Robin would get there in time to save you? I didn't. Then, for all you knew, you were walking into a trap with no way out. Sometimes you have to. But you could have been... Especially the, uh, the one where, uh, where Barbara calls... And uh, and then the other one later, when Terry sort of returns and is kind of about to make his decision, I, I think both of those scenes are, are so well done and really allowed both uh, both Wilfred L. and Kevin Conroy to kind of flex their uh, their acting muscles a little bit and really draw on the history of, of both this show, this Batman Beyond show that's been around for a while now, but also to you know harken back to some of those original Batman adventures and sort of reminding Bruce Wayne of uh, of why he why he originally took up that that mantle. By the way, thanks. For what? For reminding me why I got into this. It's been so many years now. But you never really forget, do you? No, you don't. Tell me, what if you hadn't figured out how Shriek was using the towers? Would you have handed yourself over to him at midnight? In case you haven't noticed, we've got a suit to repair here. Uh, I think that really comes through in, in both of their performances. Oh, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I think they're they're very, very strong. I think the highlights, certainly, of the episodes have to be those Batcave scenes, especially you, they... They put the it's it's a you know a trilogy of scenes. You have the the beginning, the middle, and the end. It's done so well, um, and th- to see them sort of switch places, where at the beginning Terry is sort of you know taken aback that Bruce would put himself in a, a situation where the outcome was not guaranteed that he'd survive, and then you know they switch places at the end where Bruce is asking Terry about well you know if 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 you knew that you were there there was a chance that you were going to die if you hadn't figured this out would you have still gone through with it and you know the fact that terry is sort of aloof about it is is done done really really well so yeah i I think it's very very strong i went with a nine out of ten for voice acting yeah and i uh, i actually went with the perfect 10 out of 10 for this one awesome love it very well deserved all right, Liam. Well, that will tally up our scores uh, for today for the second episode. And tallying everything up, I come up with a very, very strong 38 out of 40. What about you? Yeah, and I'm uh, right behind you with a 37 out of 40. So uh, uh, with these scores, this actually does make it uh, into our top pick section. Love it. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's no reason to discuss rewatchability <laughs> because, yeah, I'd recommend – 
a viewing of this, not only because it's a follow-up sequel to Shriek, uh, spoiler alert, he shows up again in the later episode that is uh, equally interesting from my recollection. So, um, yeah, not only for those reasons, but because it's overall just a very, very well-written story, the, you know, the, the, the sort of, you can call it a plot device, you can call it the plot point, the, you know, is Bat- Batman sacrificial, uh, willing to sacrifice himself no matter what, uh, no matter if he gets the accolades or not. We see that, again, and it's the sort of second generation of that occurring here with Terry. And uh, because of that, I, you know, that and everything else we loved about this episode, I would say, yeah, give, give it another watch. Yeah, it, it, it checks pretty much every box. It's it's important in the sense that it's kind of a big character moment for Terry. It's important because we have a recurring villain who has made previous appearances and will make future appearances. It's, you know, and, and above all else, as you're as you have laid out so eloquently throughout this episode, um, it's just a great Batman story, not even just a Batman Beyond story, a Batman of any kind story. Uh, you know, this ranks right up there with uh, a lot of the great ones we've reviewed over the, the last few years we've been doing the show. Absolutely. Well, Liam, that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for this very special giant size double feature. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, if if you listen to a, a podcast on a podcast app that allows you to give us a review, do us a favor, sign in, do that. Um, I know that Apple recently made it much simpler to do that. Uh, you can do it right from the app. So you can scroll down, give us a five-star review, write a few nice things about us. We actually had a couple of reviews in the last couple of weeks. So thank you to those of you that have been doing that. That helps us out. Thank so you. Appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, don't forget to follow us on social media at DCAU Review, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Liam, uh, you, I have been waiting a very long time <laughs> for this week. Uh, and that is because next week we are covering a legendary episode in Batman Beyond Lore. Uh, why don't you tell the good folks at home that aren't aware what episode we'll be talking about next week? Yes, this is uh, to spoil it out, folks. This is the reason we started this podcast. Here, uh, <laughs> was all just to go to have an excuse to talk about this uh, this wonderful episode. And in fact, next week we'll be covering the classic uh, season two, episode thirteen. Terry's friend dates a robot, and uh, I could not be more excited for it. So you will not want to miss that. So make sure you tune in, subscribe to us, and uh, like us on uh, on social media so you can get up-to-date information about our review. Next week's episode, Terry's Friend Dates Robot. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Well, until next week, I'm Cal. I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.